Welcome to All Things Beer, a Pat's Pints Mark's Mugs podcast. I'm Pat Woodward. And I'm Mark Richards. Each month, we are joined by brewers, enthusiasts, and friends to explore the techniques, the culture, and the history of mankind's best invention. So grab a beer and join us as we discover a world of all things beer. <laughs> well, hey, I'm Mark Richards, best described as that morning person. We've got Professor Pat, known on Gilligan's Island just as the professor. Hello. We've got recurring guest Ralph Wolf. Hello, friends. The one voted most likely to ask for parking validation at least five times in this episode. Don't ask me about parking validation again. You missed the boat on that one. And speaking of boats, Captain of the Helm down at Langray Brewing Company. Now, I was hanging with Most Def in LA last week. He said, you know who you should have on your podcast? Michael Kane. But he wasn't available. So instead, it's I just I got me. the one voted most likely to give me a good I'll work, Michael I'll Kane. I'll work my way up to it. I'll, yeah. I'll try to drop it in there. By the end of point. the episode, Dan can do a pretty good Michael Kane impersonation. I think it's the least we could ask. So ahoy to you. Ahoy. Yeah. I'm sure after having uh, a number of high octane. Uh, Holiday beers. Then <laughs> the Michael Caine will just flow forth from Oh, me. yeah. Beer five. I can't wait. Well, we're not starting with the small one here on the Chimay Grand Reserve. This was originally a Christmas beer, and now you can get it year-round. Well, thank goodness for that. We are all in Belgium today. We're talking about Belgium Christmas ales, and it's a rare episode where you get to start with the Chimay Blue. It's not bad. I don't think we've ever done an episode on Chimay. That could be an episode in and of itself, getting into their cheeses and all the different. Oh, yeah. I mean, stay you, tuned. You could. I mean, we did touch on Trappist breweries and a few other episodes. Sure. I mean, you might go back to the West Letter and her bust, yep, where yep. I think we probably did have this beer. But, you know, I don't drink this beer on a regular occasion, but it's, know, it's really a treat. There was a time I drank a lot more Chimay, but it predated having so many options. Yeah, I have to say, likewise, I haven't had this in a while, and that's just yeah. a really lovely beer. I think this is a first for me. It's delicious. Oh, man, get that dark fruit, raisin, but spritzy, you know, spritzy. It's got a lot of carbonation. Well, in the last episode, we were drinking uh, Sammy Klaus and, and those kind of beers, which were pretty low on the carbonation. We're still on the high ABV end of the spectrum, but now pretty high carbonation level on this one. Changes the beer, doesn't it? Quite a bit. This is 9% by volume, one of the jewels in the 20th century brewing tradition. It's a jewel of brewing. Now, when we think about Belgian brewing, we oftentimes start with the yeast. What do you guys get from the yeast character of this beer? Slight amount of peppery phenols. Not too bracing, though. Not bitter. But it does help drop out some of that sweetness. That's not the most expressive of the Belgian strains. It's a bit more restrained. You don't mm -hmm. get like that. It's not super clovey. It's not like really high bubble gum or anything. I guess some nice cherry notes in there. Oh, yeah. It's really, um, it's really pleasant. If we were going to do a little compare and contrast, there's so many good Belgian Christmas beers to pick that we, we couldn't do them all. One of the ones that is a good one that we're not going to get to today would be the St. Bernardus Christmas Ale. Of course, St. Bernardus makes a quad or a Belgian dark strong, whatever you want to call it, that's very similar in, in concept to the Chimay Blue. Do you guys have any thoughts on St. Bernardus and or the St. Bernardus Christmas sale? My thought is, why don't we have it here? <laughs> well, 
Well, we'll see when we get done if we could still talk coherently after doing that. But uh, yeah, it's a great one. You know, okay. so we just could sure is. You know, I love them all, but we have learned that there's limits to how many 10 plus percent beers yeah, you can Dan's do in an episode. has got the appropriate glass for it. That's true. I mean, we're all ready. Suggestion of yet another one of these made my liver wince a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now, could you get that around town if you're looking for St. Bernardus Christmas? Yes, you can. Yeah. So the failure was basically all on your hands. I'll, I'll take the hit on this one. Right. I, I could have bought the St. Bernardus. Uh, <laughs> the All Things Beer podcast budget was uh, limited. Yeah. Pat's spending allowance. I think Lorinda got after him. This came out in 1948. You'd think a lot longer. That seems like a long time ago to me, though. Yeah. I mean, it was before I was born. I mean, about two years. <laughs> <laughs> just after the war, the potato, birth of Pat, and then the birth of the Christmas ale. Just after the war, they were probably, I mean, yeah, probably. Belgium yeah. was the heart of World War II. There was a yeah. lot of destruction. So they were. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Belgium was a mess after World War II and after World War I and after the Napoleonic Wars. And we, we if you like war history, you should go to Belgium. Waterloo is in Belgium. Not yeah. a lot of people yeah, know. That's right. Well, a couple episodes ago, we had quite a talk on Scotch ales. And I find it interesting that this was actually mannered after the Scotch ale. As it turns out, Scottish ales and English ales were very popular in Belgium at the turn of the 20th century. And the Scotch ale, the strong Scottish ales, were really popular around Christmas. And so it seems that the history of Belgian Christmas beers goes back to probably the early 20th century. And really, they were trying to emulate the beers coming from Scotland. I think maybe the closest approximation to that might be the Ashuf beers because those are, remind me a lot of Scottish beers. And uh, and by the way, that gnome is wearing a kilt. Oh, yeah. He's got There's a tartan that. pattern on anyway. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not a kilt, but he's got a tartan pattern. Well, this definitely has the characteristic of a Scotch ale. It's dark, malty. It's got a lot of caramel sweetness. But one thing that the Scotch ale doesn't have is this white pepper that kind of bitters it up a little bit, which is very welcome. If you took one of those scotch ales and you carbonated it to three volumes CO2 and you fermented it with a very expressive yeast, you probably would end up with something like this. Okay, so now we're down around Brussels. You know what? The Delirium Cafe is in Brussels, isn't it? Yep. But the beer is not brewed near Brussels. But it's pretty damn close. About 40 minutes out by train. We drove by it. But it's actually closer to Ghent than it is to Brussels. But yeah, well, I mean, Belgium is a small country. Which is 45 minutes out of Brussels. (laughs) It's somewhere between Brussels and Ghent. That's true. Okay. Yeah. We are now drinking... The Delirium Noel. Oh, yeah. Delirium, of course, is best known probably for Delirium Tremens. Sure. And the cafe in Brussels, which is wonderful. I like it down in the basement there. That The Delirium Cafe in Brussels, it's it's three levels. Is that right? It is. So, have you been to all three levels? No. I didn't feel like going up all those stairs after going to the basement. <laughs> well, after a couple of Delirium yeah. Tremens, I can see where you're coming from. You know from. what beer I fell in love with at the Delirium Cafe, which was not a Delirium beer at all? By Brewery Highs. Old Bruin. I think that's where I had my first Old Bruin. Okay. And they were so inexpensive and so delicious. Just the right amount of tartness. 
some bordering the edge of vinegar, you know, kind of like that. You know, a lot bas- of balsamic character. Balsamic vinegar character. But they're just wonderful beers and, man, so inexpensive. So I just kept getting those and what they had on draft and really enjoyed it. They have all these, like, serving tray tins attached to the ceiling. It's just real cozy down there. I loved it. Yeah, our visit to Delirium, uh, the, the basement was actually closed. They wanted you to go to the first They saw floor. you coming. Yeah, and then I wanted to use a credit card, and they scowled. Man, breaking all the rules. But it was impressive to see. They have these yard-long flight boards. Okay. That you can get a yard-long flight. So, of course, the tradition in Belgium is every brewery, every beer has their specific glass, right? Yeah. And if you go to a Belgium cafe, they'll have hundreds of glasses. Delirium is the same. In a flight board? Does uh, each one come in a different version of that? That would be a, impressive. Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah. And I think I remember dr- drinking the Tremens out of just a shaker pint glass. Would yeah. that be wrong? Or you, that, that you weren't in Belgium if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely weren't at Delirium Cafe. How many of those did you have before you made that assessment? Are you, are you sure you weren't at Chris Mercer Hills House? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chris. Where is Chris? He loves his pint. He's at home drinking a pint out of a pint sure. glass. So I picked this beer because we're going to run a bit the gamut. But in the in the Belgian Christmas beer tradition, which depending on what part of Belgium you're in might be called beer de Noël or a Kirstbieren, whether you're in the Dutch or the French-speaking uh, part of Belgium. Okay. But uh, in general, they would be darker, stronger, and spiced compared to the regular beers. So, this one is described as using seven different spices. So, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on wow. the spice level of this beer. It's, it's kind of an amber color, right? Dan, what do you think? The, uh, the thing that pops out to me the most on this is just the citrus on the finish. Yeah, like there a is. Like a real this. nice lemony pop. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really um, refreshing and pleasant. Is there a possible there's like a touch of ginger in this as well? It's on the back end, but I don't know. I get a little ginger, maybe pink peppercorn. Yeah, I suppose that's the kind of the calling card of um, doing spices well, particularly if you're using a bunch of them. Yeah, that they're hard pick to out dis- in the individual yeah. one. You're just like, oh, it's spice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to discern one above the other. I think the Belgian ethos is to say the yeast gives me certain characteristics. Maybe even the hops give me certain characteristics. I just want to use the spices that blend seamlessly yeah. with that uh, sure. profile. No, definitely does in this. I mean, they're subtle, but very good. Like I said, the thing that sticks out to me is is the, a very lemon citrus peel character on the back end. But mm-hmm. if you had, apart from that, if you had told me that there were no spices in this, I'd be like, oh, okay. It's just a Belgian beer. Yeah, I'm shocked to find this beer is only been around for 23 years. I would definitely not have guessed that. I would have said I was always able to get this beer, and I don't know why that is. The Delirium Tremens, I think, must have debuted 88, something like that. Uh, This beer first appeared in 2000. Yeah, I think I got a little Mandela effect on the two, maybe. (laughs) It could be. It could be that all of these podcasts and these beers and uh, 10% might have dulled your memory just a little bit. Uh, no. Now, ridiculous. when you were in high school, were you uh, picking up a, a four-pack <laughs> well, of the Delirium Noel and uh, heading out to wherever yeah. people went to drink beer and uh, 
do other Galloway. carnal things. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're no millennial yourself, Pat. Um, <laughs> I was not in high school in 1988, actually. Uh, well, we were we were both out of high school at the time. Yes, I do know what you mean, though. This is like because the bottle is so iconic, the pink elephant, pretty much as long as I can remember. Particularly around the holidays, going to get beer, you just see this on the shelf. I kind of felt that way. Yeah, sure. This one, by the way, it's got a pink elephant in a Santa hat with a scarf yeah. skiing. And then there's a picture of the moon, and then there's a Sinterklaas, I assume, okay, yeah. who is being pulled in his reindeer flying through the sky. Not reindeer, though, but okay. pink elephants. Pink elephants. That's cool. Yeah. And the other thing about this beer, this is just a classic presentation. The bottle is white, right? So, it, it reminds you of a ceramic bottle. It looks like a stoneware crock type of finish. Yeah. It's painted on. But there was a time that I would save these bottles back when I saved bottles, put on my shelf until I realized I was just a count of what an alcoholic I was. And it also has the bright red metallic foil on the, on Christmas the neck. wrapping. It's a beautiful bottle. Mm-hmm. Also, because in this podcast, sometimes we talk about umlauts. And I'm realizing <laughs> that when I did the show notes, I put the umlaut on the wrong vowel. Oh, yeah. So, the, the umlaut does not go on the O of Noel. It oh, goes yeah. on the E of Noel. Well, in now, the... Now, how would you pronounce that? The way I look at it, in heavy metal band naming convention, you stow those umlauts anywhere <laughs> in land. I think it's okay. But I, I guess in my my version of it, yeah. it would have been Noel. It but the, it's probably Noel. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> This might explain why we don't have a lot of listeners in continental Europe, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Pronunciation issues. So, uh, we did an episode once and someone said, oh, it's the West Letter in her bust. And someone was like, that's really good content. But the way you pronounce those names is hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't hard for us. <laughs> of course, we were drinking high alcohol beers. We apologize, folks of Belgium. I'm going to go back to Dan because, you know, we try to educate people a little bit in every episode, which might be a little challenging in this one. But, Dan, when you're brewing and you're thinking about using spices, because you've done a, a, a ton of great spice beers, I mean, how do you approach what spices you pick, how the recipe is designed, how much spice to use, those kind of things? The best guidepost is always experience and having used it before and knowing what you're going to get out of it. Certain spices that you can get away with just sort of chucking in at the end of the boil. There's others that we will drop the uh, temperature of the kettle down to, almost like we're doing like a, what they call these days cool pooling for a hazy IPA in terms of uh, trying to get a still where it would be sort of above pasteurization temp, but trying to get less of a boiled effect on those spices. It's rough to have... A beer that's been overspiced that is just raking your palate, particularly in a style like this where the beer is already super dry and it's just going to accentuate that character even more. So, I mean, if anyone were attempting to try to do something like this, I would say just start on the low end of the scale <laughs> and work your way up. It's not like using fruit where we're talking about, you know, pounds per gallon. We're, we're talking, um, oh, for cinnamon... Like, we use a lot of cinnamon at Land Grant. Usually start with, eh, I think we, we do like two, three pounds in a 24-barrel batch. So that's a, kind of like a rough guidepost. But for something like, particularly, I'm, I'm very averse to clove. Yeah. So I would use a very restrained hand, particularly in a, a Belgian style where you're already getting yeah, clove character from the, from the yeast. Yeah. 
Same thing. Like I love allspice, but man, you could really wreck a beer with too much allspice. So yeah, just start on the low end and, and work your way up is really the best advice. Now, what about ginger? Ginger is a spice that I think really goes well in a beer if you do it right. Especially around this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, the winter warmer uh, has ginger, but there's different ways you might incorporate ginger. How do you put ginger into a beer at Langram? For tree lot, we just basically put it through a food processor and sliced it very thin, stuck it in a bag and put it in uh, at Whirlpool. We've also, if you're liking ease of use, in the past done candied ginger, which definitely saves on processing time. I've used that before, yeah. You do pick up quite a bit more heat, and uh, you don't get that that real fresh ginger punch. But uh, yeah, if you're lazy like me and you don't feel like (laughs) processing (laughs) tens and tens of pounds of raw ginger, I would completely understand that. So for our next beer, we're going to go south in Belgium, down near the French border to the province of Hainaut, and we're going to have the Scaldus Noel. Giddy up. We've been trying to let these warm up so we get a little bit more of the character of the beer, but on these highly carbonated Belgian ales, you can get a bit of a gusher if you let it warm up. But this beer, the Scaldus Noel, this is from... Brewery Dubisson. Interestingly, the branding on this is different depending on where you go. So, as we mentioned earlier, there's been a lot of wars fought in Belgium. And at the end of one of the world wars, the British liberated this part of Belgium. And so, they decided to apply an English name to their brewery. So, the English translation of Dubisson is Bush. So, if you buy this in Europe, this would be called Bush Noel. Bush. As it turns out, there's a brewery that has a Bush name in it in the U.S., and they were not entirely happy with another brewery selling Bush beer okay. in the U.S., even though I think there was very little chance that there would be confusion between the two. Yeah. But they changed their name in the U.S. only, I think. This is sold as Scaldus, Scaldus Noel. This brewery, the Dubasson Brewery, is known, to me anyway, for making a series of very strong beers, and this is their Christmas sale. I haven't even tasted this yet, but all I get on the nose is bubble gum. Yeah. It's the first Still thing. Bubble gum, yeah, in, in the yeast character. Is, yeah, tons and tons of bubble yeah. gum. It's a good, good yeast contribution. And this was first brewed in 1991. So uh, we're going forward a little yeah. bit, uh, although older than the uh, Delirium Noel. Truth. This particular bottle was a gift. I shouldn't say a gift, really, but uh, we do this thing around Christmas where we have our own Advent beer calendar, and everybody picks a couple of beers and contributes. It's a lot of fun. So this is from our good friend, Jeremy. It was Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah Jeremy. I think I had I had something like COVID last Christmas. It would have been a waste to drink it because I had yeah. no sense of taste. So it's a leftover from last this year's This is a, from Advent. last year. Yes, it is. Okay. So thank you, Jeremy. Shout out to Jeremy, the new father. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. All right, I've got a, a game to play. Last time we had Dan on for the Columbus Six Pack IPA episode, 
we played a game. That, that's actually turned out to be one of our most uh, downloaded podcasts. So it was a lot of fun. And we, in that one, we did a game where I, I threw out a fruit flavor and then Dan told us what hops to use. Today, I'm going to do a different game that said, if you went to Belgium and you could only visit three breweries, what breweries would you visit? I'm going to start with Mark, because I think he's had the longest time to prepare for this question. Yeah, and spent time in Belgium. Two of these I've been to. One of these, there's a reason I haven't been to it. So, Cantillon, uh, the Guza, the original in Brussels. Amazing place. I mean, it's a classic. You got to do it. There's beers there you'll never be able to purchase anywhere but the brewery. Uh, such a great experience there, seeing the old world way. With open fermentation and the louvers, the lead in the yeast, um, and the windows, probably my number one. Very accessible. You can you can go tour this brewery anytime you want. The Dehalve Man or Dehalve Man, however we want to say it. This is in Bruges. Um, also very accessible. It's a tourist attraction, which I think most of Bruges could be summed up as a tourist attraction. Very picturesque town. Definitely should still go there. But I think what I find most unique to this is as they grew their distribution, they uh, built a two-mile pipeline out to the suburbs to package their beer since they didn't have any room in the brewery to do it, which I think is kind of unique, a beer pipeline. We could have one of those to the house here from any number yeah, of local yeah. breweries, couldn't we? That'd be nice. Did they have one of those in a strange brew? Uh, I don't think they did. <laughs> I think they did. Poser. And then the last one that I would say I would love to visit, uh, St. Sixtus Abbey of West Fletron. And the main reason I'd like to go there is because you can't. It's kind of no tours. It's the Willy Wonka of craft breweries. Um, there, You're not going to get to tour it. The forbidden fruit. It's the forbidden fruit. So that's why I want to go because I can't. Okay. Ralph, what about you? Well, I'll start with uh, Cantillon. It's one that uh-huh. we did go to in Bruges. Actually, we discovered that our hotel was like right around the corner from it. Yeah. And I was telling Pat, when we were there on the kind of the self-guided tour, we got to the the upper floor where the cruise ships were and everything. And there was yeah. a lead tour, a, you know, a tour of, of about 20 people with a tour guide. Okay. And everybody on this tour was wearing Odell's paraphernalia, the brewery in Fort Collins, Interesting. Colorado, and I like you guys. You guys just like Odell's, or no? We're here. We all work for the companies. Okay, but uh, Cantillon, and then we we tried the, the goose and all those. Sure, I would say uh, Delirium. You like go. I, I didn't go to the brewery. Okay, but I like you went to the pub, to the sure cafe, and enjoyed it. And okay, enjoy their beers, and then. You said is Bruges Zote? Is that what you said in Bruges? Yeah, yeah. The Dehalve no. Man. Well, Dehalve Man and Bruges Zote, yeah, but they're okay. different. They are. But you're saying right. Bruges Zote. Yeah, Bruges Zote. You went we, there? We didn't go to the brewery again, but we had a lot of their beers. Okay. We brought yeah. some back, and, and it was just a, a solid blonde, Belgian blonde that we, okay. that we liked. Yeah. Cool. It went well with mussels and feet. That's important in Belgium. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Dan? Uh, well, not to be boring, but uh, yeah, Cantillon, um, <laughs> just uh, again, so kind of antithetical to the type of brewing that certainly I'm used to in all regards. The exact opposite of that, sort of old and creaky and spiderwebs on the ceiling. Yeah. Um, I love uh, Duval. 
So yeah, Duval Morcott, mm. uh, shining stainless steel all over the place. Uh, yeah. I, I would love to go there. And um, lastly, uh, I think as much because I like the beer as because um, sort of a fascination with the region is uh, a shoof. Yeah, the southern Belgium. In the Ardennes. In the yeah. Ardennes, yeah. Beautiful. Just historically very rich region. Cool. Well, I guess I'll go last. Can't say Cantillon. I think he's going to. <laughs> How could you not? But I will at least say Cantillon would not be my first choice. Yeah. So I think the best place to visit in Belgium, Rodenbach. at least of, of the ones that I've been, is Rodenbach. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Rodenbach is so call. amazing. Uh, there's these, these fooders, there's about 300 fooders yeah. and they walk you through and you see all of them. And actually some of them go back to, uh, you know, the 18th century. I and mean, these are two or 300 year old vessels, you know, that are aging this beer. The tour there, you have to, I had to email them and say, Hey, I want to do a tour there. Can't, can't just walk up and do it. And then they got back to me and they said, oh, well, you could do a tour on this evening or whatever. So, definitely, Rodenbach. I mean, Cantillon, for reasons that have already been mentioned, it's just such a cool place. But one thing I'll say about the Cantillon tour, it's not very hard, and this is what I did, once you do the Cantillon tour, to walk down to the train station, and then you can get the train and you can go, well, I went to Trifontenaine, and yeah. you, could, you could go to a number of Lambic breweries all on the same day if you set the whole day aside. But the thing about Cantillon that's great is just you can go there. It's a it's the museum of the Lambic, basically. And so that's fantastic. And, and the third one, I mean, it's, there's so many great places, so it's so hard to pick. But I would definitely advocate for going to Orval. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So Orval, first of all, I mean, there's not really a brewery tour, so to speak. They do have a little place where you can see like the brewing it's kind of like this is the way we used to brew it there's there's a, a ruined monastery that's there and then there's the new art deco monastery new being 1920s and, and then there's a cafe and they're like oh what kind of uh, orval do you want do you want the one that's three months old do you want the one that's five years old well, do you want nice. yeah and you can just pick all those things and it's just in a beautiful part of belgium the very south part near the where Belgium, Luxembourg, and France all come together. So that that would be cool. um, my three. It's a good pick. Good picks for everybody. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer. Okay, so moving on to Still a Nacht. Yeah, we're over in the far west of Belgium now. And this is first brewed in 1981, one year after Dedal Brewery opened. Yeah, the Dedal Brewers in Flanders. That translates as the Mad Brewers. Oh. Really, I mean, I think I read somewhere that they were the first brewery to open after Hogarden, Pierre Chellis's Hogarden. Okay. This is a beer that's kind of a famous beer, and I have never tried it. And I'm really looking forward to trying it tonight. It is brewed with all pale malts. I don't think there's any spices in this one either. Let me see what the ABV is. 12%. You see different things when you read about the boil. So this undergoes a long boil. One of the descriptions was five-hour boil. Some other places, when you listen to or read the brewers there, they say a mini-hour boil. I've read other places, six-hour boil. This is another beer that actually Michael Jackson was very fond of. White candy sugar in this, along with pale malts, hopped with nugget hops, and this is good. It's very pale. It's probably the palest beer we've drank today. This seems to be the most different from the other, the previous ones. 
A lot of spicy. That's all from the yeast. That's a lot. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's no spices used okay. in this beer, wow. so it all comes from the yeast. It's got quite a yeast contribution. So it creeps up the back of your throat. Yeah, it really does. I think there's a pretty perceptible tartness to this as well. The Dadal brewers are known for having a bit of lactobacillus in their house yeast strain. So I think there is a bit of acidity here. Definitely, you get that almost just a touch of, would you say, almost a little bit of a vinegar background or something? Maybe not that far. Maybe not that far, but... There is some subtle acidity. It brightens it up a little bit. Definitely different than anything else we've had today. Sure. There's a festival of Christmas beers that happens in Belgium every year with about 200 different entries. This one has been best in show nine different times. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, it, and from 2010 to 2015, it won every single year. Wow. So, all right. Well, it's a winner. And it's Belgian, but it's called Stille Nacht. German for Silent Night. Right. Some people only drink this beer on December 24th. I, I read that in Austria, the tradition is that song is only sung on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's my least favorite Christmas song. And I love the classics, and Ralph knows uh, I try to, when it works out, go to Christmas Eve service over at Clinton Heights, mostly for the hymnal. I love the old hymns and everyone singing together. Some of these can just be so goddamn slow. <laughs> Silent night. It's like, come on, man. Uh, even worse than that, uh, as I'm sure Ralph can attest, is listening to a congregation try to stammer their way through the German rendition of the lyrics. <laughs> uh, exactly. It was just so painful. Yeah. I always enjoyed it. But yeah, it was... Yeah. It's not meant to be a comedy, though. You're no, saying. <laughs> no. I'm with you, brother. It might run counter, but actually, Silent Night is one of my favorite Christmas songs, and I, and I really like the slow, slow version of it. It's like it's like listening to um, Typo Negative or something like that. Oh yeah, I can see that. Full <laughs> higher voice. So while we're in the throes of this, so your favorite Silent Night, mine's definitely not. Ralph, what's your favorite Christmas song? Oh come all ye faithful, Adeste Fidelis. Oh come all okay. ye faithful. Okay. Okay. Oh, you already did. Perfect. Dan? Uh, White Chris, the, the binger himself. Oh, oh that's a good one. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong there. I really like Go Tell It on the Mountain for church hymns. And then I like ah, Father Christmas. I'm uh, a big Kinks fan. The Kinks. That's a yeah, great one. Kinks, that's yeah. Good. yeah, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I like this. I like when everybody's voices go yeah. up. You know, how's that go, Ralph? Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Bravo! Pretty good. Well, yeah, very pretty good. good. Pretty, pretty good. No, this is a much more uplifting and lighthearted cast than, than the, the previous one, which got a little dark. <laughs> <laughs> little, yeah, little dark. Wow, <laughs> Not as much Krampus on this episode. Yeah. There's uh, less abductions this yeah, time around. Yeah, that's good. Now, I got to come back to this beer. This is a very unique beer. It's oddly refreshing, given that these are all 10% plus hammers. Sure. Yeah, probably the most refreshing 12% yeah. beer I've ever had. <laughs> yep, that's fair. How crushable is it? Not very. <laughs> All right, so what do we got left, Pat? Are we going to have another beer? 
course. Why not? Oh, yeah. Pat's voice is getting higher. I like it. We're going to come back to Ohio for this last one. This is going to be Pimp My Sleigh by Fatheads Brewery. Uh, this is a Belgian-style Christmas sale. One of the rare Belgian-style Christmas sales you can find brewed in Ohio. Yeah. Now, Ralph, what is the holiday tradition of pimping? Could you explain that? <laughs> <laughs> pimping ain't easy. At length. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't think there is any pimping in the church. Well, there probably has been. But uh, all right. Well, just, yeah, in the Catholic only. Church, definitely. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Is that okay. wrong? Ten and a half percent on this one. All right. Cracker open. Back to cans. But this is a man's can. This isn't that little diet can we had in our Sammy Claus and Froggy Claus. Although I like that short little diet can. can. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're on a diet and you're drinking a 14% beer, <laughs> make sure it's there's a lot of things wrong with that. Oh, sure. It's all perception anyway. Oh, this is the darkest beer of the day, maybe, so far. Well, that's the last one, right? That's the way the script goes. Do you all always follow script on uh, all things beer? <laughs> no, we try. Podcast. Not necessarily. Okay, this one, 10.5% ABV, 30 IBU, and containing a uh, malt bill that has seven different malts. Oh. Pale, aromatic, honey, melanoidin, cara aroma, oats, carafa three. I don't really know what cara aroma is. I also don't know what that Have is. I, I, I that? just copied that off that? the yeah, that's really website. nice. Okay, is it kind of near? Uh, well... Ish. Okay. How, yeah. how is it, it? I would use one I'd never heard of before in the Ruggin beer. I was going to get like a biscuit or like Victory. I got the cookie malt. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I saw it available on That's, Northern is Burr. That Patagonia. I think it was Victory. Yeah, I've so heard of that. I actually wanted to use that cookie malt. Yeah, it sounds fun. I mean, it's, right? I just want to put it on the label. I use cookie malt. <laughs> right. Put that in the uh, oatmeal stout. I mean, why not for a Christmas beer? Right. Yeah, cookie malt. Who doesn't like cookie malt? Okay. What do we think of this one? There's a little bit of a of a smoky character to this. It's yes. the thing that stands out to me. It's the smoky clove type mm-hmm. of yeah. jam. It does have more clove character than anything mm-hmm. we've had today. It's a pimped up holiday brew, says the label. I saw an interesting thing on the Instagrams not too long ago. Fatheads makes an amazing Hefeweizen. Their Hefeweizens have won a lot of awards. So they put out a little thing that when they make their Hefeweizen, it's open fermentation. So it's in a, a fermenter that's open to the atmosphere. And also when they make this beer, also open fermentation. So that's in the good old U.S. of A., huh? Right here in Ohio. Who knew? In Ohio. The heart of it all. Belgian inspired. We uh, attempt to do something similar when we're doing super expressive yeast strains like that. We'll basically brew less beer into a bigger fermenter to give it less stress, basically. Uh, You try to push up those fruity esters from the yeast. So we'll brew a... Like when we did uh, Ego Brew, our uh, session Belgian, we uh, brewed a 20 into an 80-barrel tank just so that you don't have that yeast stress and try to pump up those those fruity notes mm-hmm. as much as you can. You could have like an assistant brewer climb up the ladder and open open the top every once in a while where you put the hops in, right? We could. <laughs> I try <laughs> not to make anybody do anything that I wouldn't do, though. <laughs> of course, of course. It's well, kind of an American version of a Christmas ale. I mean, I don't know. I think Is that's that fair. fair yeah. yeah, I like it. It's not I bad. I like it too. It's different. But it's, it's some it's nice a, dark fruit notes. There's some plum in there. It's great beer. I just think I'm palate wrecked. Tell us a little bit about how short the days are at this time of the year in Edinburgh. Yeah, it's 
it's really nice around the holiday season because you want it. It's nice and cozy, and you've got all the storefronts are all lit up. Yeah, but once once Hogmanay turns, <laughs> and, it, and then it's just dark. I mean, yeah. uh, sunset three thirty. Do you think what time would sunset? Yeah, be? yeah, three thirty, four o'clock. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty um, dark. But I mean, by four thirty, it's dark. Right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was. You know, when I, I'd take the bus to to go to school there, and there were days where, uh, unless I went outside in between classes, I would not see the sun the <laughs> yeah. entire day, wow. and that was rough. But, but then on the flip side of that, we'd have summer days where you'd walk outside the pub, and it's midnight, and it is bright. Wow, <laughs> and, that's cool. Yeah. So that was the, yeah, the fantastic flip side to that. Let's close on that note. Okay. I mean, thank you so much, Ralph, Dan, for coming on. This has been a fun episode for sure. And, you know, happy holidays to everyone. Have yourself a merry, merry Christmas. Pretty good. Yeah, very good. Pretty good. No, this is a much.